0: Excellent. Singing this Sunday morning, lifting up the Lord's name and glorifying him and looking forward to heaven. I don't know about you, but I'm planning on flying away one day to glory. Let's ask God's blessing in prayer. All set. Father in heaven, we are thankful to come together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, we do thank you that we can enjoy coming to your house. We can enjoy one another's company. We can stand around and worship. We can fellowship. We can laugh. But Lord, most of all, we can draw near to you. And I pray that you'd be with us this morning as we focus on lifting up our voice in song and in prayer, as we look for you to minister to our hearts and souls that we might be conformed to your image. We thank you, Lord, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
1: And together we lift up our voices as we sing, sing to the king. You by our side. You will go before us. You will lead the way. We have found a refuge only you can save. Sing with joy now. Our God is for us. The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now. No love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us? turn back, still your love is sure, you will not abandon, you will not forsake, you will cheer me onward with never-ending grace, sing with joy now, our God is for us, the Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress, raise your voice now no love is greater who can stand against us if our God is for us neither height nor depth can separate us hell and death will not defeat us he who gave his son to free us whole separate us hell and death will not defeat us he who gave his son to free us holds me in his love sing with joy now our God is for us the father's love is a strong and mighty fortress raise your voice now no love is greater Who can stand against us if our God is for us? Sing with joy now, our God is for us. The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now, no love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us?
0: I'd like you to take your Bibles with me, if you would, and turn to Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56, verses 1 and 2. Title of our message this morning is, The Lord is Near. And as Brother John was just singing about the Lord being for us, near us, so also our message is going to touch on, The Lord is Near. Isaiah 56, verses 1 and 2. When we look at this text we see that he challenges us to draw near to him because he's always near to us. In fact, when you go to the book of Acts, you find the apostle Paul preaching on Mars Hill. He told the people in Athens, he says, we live where God is right all around us. We live in the midst of him. He's all around us at all times. But yet he calls us to draw near to him in our life, and in our practice. Listen as I read to you these first two verses of Isaiah chapter 56. Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment and do justice. For my salvation is near to come and my righteousness to be revealed. Blessed is the man that doeth this and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it, ...and keepeth his hand from doing any evil. If you'll notice in the second half of that very first verse there... ...he says to us, for my salvation is near to come... ...and my righteousness to be revealed. In each one of our lives, the salvation of God is ever near us. And you and I, as each day passes in our lives... We get nearer and nearer to that day of salvation when we ourselves inherit that kingdom place that God has prepared for us. But when we look at this text, he's going to challenge us concerning several things. First of all, in verse one, you see that he challenges us to keep his judgments. And his judgments are basically the word of God. You and I striving to take it, practice, live, the word of God. If you'll look with me to 2nd Timothy chapter 3. I want to read to you verses 14 through 17. 2nd Timothy chapter 3. Verses 14 down through 17. And listen as I read those verses to you. But continue thou in the things which, which thou hast learned. And hast been assured of. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or the humankind or the people of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So when we start talking about keeping the judgments of God, we think of verses like this because this this text challenges us to continue in the things which we have learned. Some of you have been blessed to be raised in Christian homes. And from the time you were a small child, you sat at the feet of mom and dad, maybe Sunday school teachers, preaching and teaching in the church. Maybe some of you were blessed to go to a Christian school, homeschooled in Christian education. You should hide in your heart and keep those truths, God says, that have been instilled in your life. Now, many of you are like me. I didn't come to Christ until I was in, I think I was 16, 17 years old. And really didn't get serious about walking with God until I was about 19. So I don't have those childhood memories. But yet, as I take and see God's word come into my heart and into my life and come through my ears and into my soul, I need to continue in those judgments of God, just as you should do. So here you find the apostle challenging Timothy, continue in those things that you have learned. But it's interesting when he comes to verse 15 and he says that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures I want to ask you, mom and dad, are you grandma and grandpa? How about you aunt and uncle and neighbor and friend? Are you teaching the word of God to those who are around you so that they might be able to hide it in their heart? How are they going to hide it in their heart if they never hear it? Amen. You have to be about the business that God has called you to just as I have to do. So when it comes to keeping the judgments of God, you and I need to instill that into the next generation. Why? Verse 17 tells us that the person of God, the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. If we're going to be skilled at living our faith, then we have to know the manual that teaches us how to do that. So God tells you and I, keep the judgments of God. Hide those truths in your heart. You might say to me, well, boy, pastor, there's a lot there. That's, That's hard to know and practice all of it. What are the top ones? What's the most important? Well, let's see what Jesus has to say about that. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 22. And here we find the Lord Jesus Christ answer that exact question. Matthew chapter 22, as we come down to verses 36 through 40, listen to what Jesus said. He was asked this question in verse 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You and I, we need to love our God. We need to love the Lord with all our heart, our mind, our soul. In fact, the scriptures teach us to be about the master's business with passion, do all things diligently unto his name, to his glory and honor. That love for God, he says, encompasses such a massive part of the commandments. But then he gives a second one. He says, love your neighbor even as yourself. Then he tells them, he says, these two commandments, they take in all of it. Now, How do you love your neighbor even as yourself? Not all neighbors are that lovely, are they? I mean, if you have a good neighbor, you are blessed, aren't you? And you and I should strive to be a good neighbor as much as is possible. When you look in these scriptures, we find that he challenges us. Be a keeper of the judgments of God. Yes, the summary is to love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. And love your neighbor even as yourself but we understand that we have to study the word from Genesis to Revelation, all 66 books of the Bible. Hide it in your heart that you might know how to show your neighbor love, even if they're unlovely. How to go ahead and uh, practice that love of God in your heart, your mind, and soul through worship, through uh, witnessing, through studying, through prayer. All of those things taught to us and applied in the scriptures. You and I, from the time that we first learn, hopefully when we're little children, but whenever it is, we learn, we hide it in our heart, and we practice. Let's go back to our text and let's look at the second thing Isaiah is challenging us about here. He's saying to us that the Lord is near, so we must keep the judgments of God. And we also need to strive to live just lives. That's why he says, do justice. It's an interesting thing, the time we live in today, people redefine words in all different ways. And if I were to walk through our congregation this morning, and I were to ask young people who are maybe less than teenage years, what does practicing justice mean? Then if I were to go to the high school kids' all the way up through college, and I ask them, what does it mean to practice justice? And then if I were to go to those who are older and ask them, what's it mean to practice justice? I think you would find a wide range of understanding what that word means. But when you come to this text here in Isaiah, he's talking about living a just life. Doing that which is right, not in the eyes of man, but that which is right in the eyes of God. Our culture has taken the word just, justice, and worked it into all different directions. God is just telling us to justify our lives living just life with Him. And if we practice His truths, if we practice His faith, we will see that justified in him balances all the rest. He is that fulcrum point that brings us all in properly with everybody around us. Strive to live a just life. Look with me to Hebrews chapter 5 if you would please. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5 verses 12 down through 15. I used to think I was really fast at finding the books of the Bible and the chapters until they could do it on this computer so fast. It's incredible, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 5, look with me at verses 12 down. When for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk, and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What this text is talking about is the word of God, and it's talking about how some people only drink the milk out of the word, And other people take the meat out of the word. And if all you ever do is take the most simple, simple, simple truths, just the milk, then you get anemic, you get weak. Um, How many have ever heard of veal? Veal is a meat that's really just a young cow. But in order to have veal, my understanding is they only give them a milk solution, They never get all the grains and they get all the fibers and all of that stuff, and it alters their system and you get veal. Some Christians are kind of like that. They don't want to chew the meat of the word. They don't want to chew the grain and the nuts and all of the the hard truths. They just want the simple, easy to digest milk. And God says here, he says, no, actually you need You need to come to the word of God. You need that strong meat. Listen again to verse 14. Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. In other words, maturity. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In order for you and I to live a just life, we have to know what is good and evil. We have to know what is just or unjust, and we find that in the principles of God. But you have to move past the milk of the word. This morning, as we did men's prayer breakfast, Kelsey came in with Forrest. Came brought Forrest in and Kelsey's trying to make his plate. He's getting his bacon on there. And I won't tell Jenny how much bacon he had on there and he's getting his egg and he's balancing the baby and balancing the plate. And so I said, here, let me, let me have Forrest and you can get your stuff done. And so he handed me Forrest and I've seen Jenny feed Forrest blueberries because she's working for the day program here and she feeds them at lunchtime and I see her giving him blueberries. So I said, Oh, Forrest, let me give you a blueberry here. And so I went over to bowl. The blueberries were gone. Uh, Sid said to me, he can have a blueberry off my plate. So I went over there, picked up a blueberry and I was just getting ready to give Forrest a blueberry. And Kelsey said, not a whole one. <laughs> I said, huh? He said, yeah, he's too little. You have got to cut it in half. And I thought, okay. So I handed it to him. He bit it in half, gave Forrest half, and he got half. They didn't share with me at all. (laughs) Forrest got half. But see, Forrest is not old enough, because he's just a little baby, and they were worried about him choking on the whole berry. He's not old enough. He's got to grow to that. But wouldn't you be concerned if Emily came to a a brunch or something, and here she is going into your senior year, junior year, senior year, high school. Wouldn't you be a little concerned if Ann came and said, let me bite the half of that, you can have the other half, because I'm worried about you choking. Emily would turn all kinds of shades of red, more shades than she is right now. She would be embarrassed to death because she's grown far past that. You and I as Christians, we have to face the word of God. If we're gonna understand a just way to live, we have to eat the word of God, t- partake of it, read it, study it, meditate on it. More than just the milk of the word, get to get in there and spend some time. Work out between you and God what these truths are telling you, that you might become strong. We're way past cutting the blueberries in half, amen? We've gotta go ahead and be ready to take the meat of the word strong enough to live a just life through the judgments of God. Turn with me if you would to Philippians chapter one in your New Testament, because I want you to see that you and I, we grow with building blocks one after another, striving to mature in our faith. Philippians chapter 1. Look with me at verses 9 down through 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment. So I want you to note how he's talking about incremental growth. Did you hear it? He says, in this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. You see, if we're going to grow more and more, we need to understand God's word in knowledge and in judgment. Look at verse 10. That ye may approve the things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Look at how he's talking to you and I about growing and achieving and maturing and practicing our faith. More and more, increasing in judgment and understanding and in the love of God. And by that, we begin to approve the things that are excellent. And our sincerity in verse 10 is revealed so that we might be without offense. Do you see the growth? You can't just stay in the milk of the word. You've got to grow, he's saying to us. Look at verse 11. Being filled with the blueberries of righteousness. I mean, the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. So he's telling us, we ourselves, we live a just life by taking the understanding of the principles of God and practicing them in our lives. Not just the most simple things, but yes, even the deeper, harder things that we more and more and more might practice the love of God in us and through us as we make a difference in the world that we live in. It's up to you and I to really choose to be more than hearers, but doers. Look back with me in Isaiah chapter 56, verses 1 and 2, and I'm going to show you the third principle in this text. Isaiah chapter 56. Look down with me at verse 2, if you would. He says, Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it and keeps his hand from doing evil. Here he, te- he teaches us that we receive God's blessing when we practice the things we just heard. And he wants us to understand that blessed is the person who practices these things. You're blessed of God. How many of you want to be blessed of God? You want God's blessing in your life. I want God's blessing in my life. I want him to be on my side. Listen, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If it's just me and the Lord, I'm a victor. I want him on my side. So here he's saying to you and to me, blessings upon the individuals that take these truths and apply them in their lives. Blessed is the man that doeth this, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keep the Sabbath from polluting it, and keep his hand from doing evil. He's challenging the nation of Israel, and you and I as well. He's saying that coming to worship and coming to learn to live a Christian life brings upon us the blessings of God. Now, He's near us. He's all around us. We live in His midst. But we want His blessing. You see, His his word, the judgments of God, living a just life, we want that to pour forth God's blessing. Those blessings are reserved for the doers of the word. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Sometimes we deceive ourselves. And we think, oh, God doesn't really care. It doesn't really matter. It does matter. God does care. He cares about whether you worship. He cares about whether you spend time in his word. He cares whether you give of yourself and your time, your talents, your tithes, He cares that you teach your neighbor, your children, your nieces, nephews, grandchildren. He cares about all those things. He wants us to be doers of those judgments of the word of God. That we might live that just life that brings his blessings upon us. Reserved for one who lays hold on these truths. That's what he says down here. Listen again with me to the text. He wants us to understand that for those who practice these things, they receive the blessings of these things. Thus saith the Lord, keep ye judgment, and do justice, for my salvation is near to come, and my righteousness to be revealed. It's right there. Blessed is the man that doeth, and the son of man that layeth hold on it, that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. You and I, we need to be those folks who hold tight onto the truths of God. Acts 17, verses 11 and 12 says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so, therefore many believed. You and I need to be, even as those Christians, those Christians that search the scriptures daily, those scriptures that check it out, make sure it's right, and then apply it in our practical daily living. Sometimes I have to do a little personal inventory. I asked John, I said, John, do you have your cell phone? And I wanna ask you a question. When you wake up in the morning, what is the very, very first thing you reach for? Is it your phone? Is it the remote control? Is it your Bible? What's the first thing you connect to? Is it Facebook, Twitter, prayer? You see, every one of us sometimes has to take a little inventory in our lives and ask ourselves, where have I put God in my priorities? Is he falling now behind what my Facebook friends are having for breakfast? Or are we really going to Him? Are we really reaching out to Him? Are we searching the Scriptures daily? Are you taking that devotion time, that prayer time, that meditation time to connect with God to start each day? He's challenging us to do that. It's interesting when we look at these Scriptures to understand that God's blessings are reserved for those who keep the Sabbath holy. Isn't that interesting for him to say? Now, the Sabbath in the Old Testament is Saturday. But when you come to the New Testament, you find that Christ closed that chapter and his resurrection was on the first day of the week, Sunday. And Christian worship is our Sabbath, which is Sunday. And here he challenges us. He says, keep that Sabbath holy. Don't pollute it. In other words, don't use it for everything else under the sun, but use it for the Lord. He has blessed you and he has blessed me. So he says, come and honor me. Set aside that time to worship me that you might draw near to me. He wants to bless us. But we need to be sure that we honor his worship day, his Sabbath day. Hebrews 10, 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, as ye see the day approaching, it is important for us to set aside time to come together, to encourage one another, exhort one another, pray with one another and worship the Lord. So he challenges us. He challenges us to keep the Sabbath from polluting it and keep our hands from doing evil. You know, that is not an easy thing, is it? You have to be purposeful to stay away from evil because evil can jump right out at you anytime. Can it? Somebody really makes you mad. You know, they try to give your baby a whole blueberry. I told Kelsey, I said, don't tell Jenny. I almost took him out at men's prayer breakfast. (laughs) But you never know. You never know what can happen that all of a sudden just strikes you. And you have to make a decision. Do I go ahead and go on some tirade of a rant that I'm going to have to beg God to forgive me for? Or do I love my neighbor even as myself and turn the other cheek? That takes decisions every day, doesn't it? That takes learning to practice your faith in a practical and real way. Or maybe on the job, somebody does something, you know, that is, ugh, oh, they knew better. <laughs> and now your job just became so much harder. And you think, well, I'm I'm just going to go tell the supervisor. I'm going to go tell the manager. I'm going to tell the vice president. I'm going to the top. Or, oh, let let me help them resolve this. There's so many ways in our lives that we can go to the farthest extreme. Or we can just be gracious like Jesus. Here he's challenging us. He's saying, if you want the blessings of God, don't pollute the Sabbath day, the Lord's day, and don't do evil. Strive to keep your hands from doing evil. And evil takes on so many different shapes and different forms. It's interesting that when you come to the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 5.22, he simply says, abstain from the very appearance of evil. In other words, don't get close enough that it looks like you're gonna do it. Every once in a while, I watch this show about game wardens because I think it's interesting and I like people. And who knows whether it's real or not, I don't know. But anyways, I'm gonna give you the illustration. So this particular one I watch is about game wardens in Maine. And these game wardens, they'll pull up in a kind of a hidden place and they'll watch people fishing. And they keep track of who picks up a rod and casts and reels it in and who doesn't and all that. And then they'll go strolling over there. Hi, I see you're fishing today. And somebody will say, no, 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 I'm not fishing. (laughs) You're not fishing. Well, I saw you pick up the rod. I saw you cast a lure. No, 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 I was just showing this eight-year-old how to cast and reel. No, but the law is that if you fish, you have to have a license. Do you have a license? You do. (laughs) No, I don't have a license. I was just here, helping. Then you shouldn't have picked that rod and reel up, because it looked to me like you were fishing. You see, the reality is in life, oftentimes... We get so close to doing wrong because we think it'll be okay. And God says, avoid the very appearance of evil. Don't get in trouble. I, I can't remember where I was. I was with the grandkids and they were fishing and they wanted me to show them to do something. I said, guys, I can't. Because you know what? There could be one of these maniac game wardens. LAUGHTER watching me over in a bush. But I really did think to myself, the last thing I need to do is help this kid. I've taught him how to cast. I've taught him how to put the worm on, even though I'm still doing it for grown boys. Uh, You know, I've taught him. They know how. They just would like Gramp to do it. But some places, sometimes you can't because I want to abide by the law. Sometimes you have to avoid the very appearance of evil in all parts of life. All parts of life. You go to work and you're at the water cooler at work and they're all goofing around and telling dirty jokes and flirting. You know what, Christian? You just kind of extract yourself from them. Because if you stay in the midst, next thing you know, it looks just like you're part of that. We have to learn as Christians to learn how to Avoid the very appearance of evil. And he tells us here, he says, keep the Sabbath and keep your hands from doing any evil. If you want God to bless you and he is near you, we walk and move in his midst. According to the Apostle Paul preaching on Mars Hill in Athens, he reminds us that if we want the blessings of God, we have to keep his judgments We need to strive to live a just life. And that just life involves worshiping the God who saved us and also learning to avoid the evil of the evil one who would destroy us. It's important for us to never forget that the Lord is near. The scriptures go into detail and tell us no matter how dark it is he sees, no, no matter how far away you think you are, he is there. You can't escape his presence because he is omnipresent, he is everywhere. But he wants to draw near to us, not just in his presence, but in his person. Have you received Christ as your savior? Oh, if you haven't, then I challenge you this morning. When we have an invitation in just a couple minutes, just slip out, come down the aisle. Our deacon, Brother Kurt, will be right here. His mom's right behind him. So if a lady comes up, I'll have Kathy come and open the Bible, answer your questions, pray with you today that you might be able to receive Jesus Christ as your savior. God is near us. We live and move in his midst, but he wants to come into your heart and into your soul and abide with you. And you and I that are Christians, how serious do we take it? Are we still dabbling and licking the, the milk in the bowl? Or are we getting down to business and eating the meat, taking the word of God and growing strong? I'd like you to bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity to worship you today. And I thank you for each and every brother and sister in Christ who is here. I pray that you would be with patients as she's in the hospital in Burlington. Please minister to her that she continues to recover and grow. We thank you that she's doing better. And I pray that you would bring a wonderful healing upon her. It's already a miracle that she has survived what she's gone through. I pray that you would be with her. Be with our church family as people deal with all the things of life that the devil can throw their way. I pray that they would embrace your blessings. Please watch over and protect us as your people. We thank you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I believe John has a dismissal song for us.
1: Let's lift our voices as we sing just the chorus of Shine, Jesus, Shine. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. blessed Spirit. Set our hearts on fire. Flow river flow. Flood the nations. With grace and mercy send forth your word. Lord and let there be light. Amen. We're dismissed this morning.